Did you know that the NCAA approved a new policy where all D1, 2, and 3 student athletes can now be compensated based on their name, image, and likeness? In other words, if you're a student athlete and you're trying to start your influencer career, well, you want to stay tuned and listen to this episode. Welcome to another episode of the Dapper Dollars Podcast, where we answer your finance questions, but a bit with style. I'm Anir Bon, and we also have George as your host for the show. So George, what will we dive into today? Well, with the recent changes in the NCAA regulations, college athletes can now profit from their name, image, and likeness, NIL rights. This topic has generated a lot of interest and confusion amongst both athletes and fans alike. So... As a listener, we'll help you answer what is NIL, how does it affect college athletes, what are the legal and social implications, and overall help you gain a deeper appreciation for the financial challenges that college athletes are facing. So before we introduce our guest for today, we want to encourage you to subscribe to this channel. That would help the algorithm boost our channel to viewers just like yourself. So Anirban, who do we have on the show for today? Yeah, today we have William Glass on the show. William is the CEO and co-founder of Ostrich, which is a financial health app for Gen Z. William and Andrew Holiday, who is the other co-founder of Ostrich, met as student athletes at Rollins College, where they played soccer together. They each had their own unique challenges when it came to finances, which led them to start Ostrich. William has a background in software sales and went to Rollins College as a Fulbright Scholar, where he went to Thailand to teach English full-time. Welcome, William. Thanks, Anurban. Thanks, George. Excited to be here. So the ice-breaking question for you is, what is the best piece of financial advice you've ever received and how has it impacted your life? I mean, there's a lot of good advice out there, but probably just the concept of paying yourself first. No one else is going to pay you first. You know, when it's bills or whatever it is, all the other responsibilities, if you don't make prioritize that, no one else will. So um, I think that's a just core concept that if you can, you can understand that concept, then you'll set yourself up for success. So I would say pay yourself first is the easiest, simplest and a good mindset to have. I agree. I, I, I'll add to um, that it will just be the accountability factor because if you see that you do get to have a payout out of this, that helps you be more motivated, you know, smarter with your decisions as well. So I agree. Brilliant. <laughs> that, that was a good answer. So let's jump into the question. Can you give us an overview? So Ostrich, um, what does Ostrich offer and what's its aim and benefit to individuals looking to manage their personal finances? Yeah. So at Ostrich, we have a financial health app um, and we focus mostly on younger folks. So Gen Z, college age, um, but really it, it works for anyone that's just starting out um, on their financial journey. And what we've learned is that um, the key thing that is missing, there's tons of content, information, resources, tools out there, but it's the action side. So it doesn't, that, that's like the key thing that we solve for is having people actually take positive actions and we make it super easy to do that. Um, so, you know, we've got a financial health score, shows you where you are, what are those top actions? And then we've got a rewards layer that helps keep you motivated and stay incentivized to, uh, to keep making progress. So that's what the app does uh, at, a, at a very high level. Brilliant. I like that. I think that's, that's a good segue to my, to my question. So 
Um, so we all know personal finance, it uh, can be complex as well as taboo for a lot of people. Um, so can you say for, for people listening, how does ostrich simplify financial management and how do you make that accessible? I know you have a target audience. So how is ostrich built to make it accessible to everyone? Uh, we're not trying to boil the ocean. Uh, we focus on what is just the most important thing. So rather than like, hey, here's the 40 things that you could do or the 10 things or the five things, it's, hey, here's the one thing that's going to make the biggest impact. And then once you have success, then we move on to the next. So we're focusing on core foundational things like building credit, saving, investing for the first time, um, staying out of debt. So like very, very core foundational um, and that's how we've, we've built the app. So it's like, what's the lowest hanging fruit, the easiest thing that you can do that will have the greatest impact. And that's where we start. Um, and we're sort of learning as we go, you know, what does that look like? Like we, you know, had some assumptions and we've, we've learned that there's some things that you can do on the credit side. And part of it has to do with like the tools, resources, and availability out there. Um, and like one of the things for the, the college age is what we figured out is, um, and this also sort of ap applies to student athletes too, right? If, if you're doing, if you're doing an NIL deal, it's not regular income, right? It comes in lumpy. So you might do a deal here or a deal there. Um, so how do we solve for that? Cause that's very specific to this age group and may or may not have income. So what are some simple things that you can do? Well, what we found is that most everyone has a savings account, but most of them aren't in a high yield savings account. So this is something that we can encourage people to do that is takes, you know, 10 minutes online, if that, to set up, but it has a huge impact and it's, it doesn't have to require changing behavior. So we just look for what are those super simple things that we can do, um, to help our customers, our users, um, end up in a much better financial place. Hey, I appreciate you mentioning NIL and it's a great way to get into that topic now. So what exactly is that? You know, please explain to our listeners. It sounds like, now the student athletes are now kind of glorified as potential social media influencers. Is that what it is? Or would you explain it in a different way? So name image likeness uh, is, is the ability for student athletes to now make money through sponsorships, endorsements, commercials, things that you have seen every professional athlete do. So it's now available to college students, which is really exciting. Um, and this came from like the Supreme Court ruled this. So this wasn't like an NCAA policy, which has caused a lot of challenges, which we can definitely talk about in terms of like, what are the opportunities? What does that look like? And to your point, uh, the most common sort of NIL deal is social media posting. It's like 85 or 86% of all NIL deals are social media. So essentially being an influencer, something that every other college student or anyone, you know, that age could do. Um, but now student athletes have the ability to to do that. So that's what NIL is. In terms of like the impact, there's a, a couple different ways to to look at it that I think is really important to understand the financial implications for college students. So we talked about like social media, um, but there's different types of money that are coming into NIL. There are the typical brands, right, that are looking for outcomes. So the same thing that they would do with a regular influencer. They're looking to have, you know, George, who is, uh, you know, a, a soccer player uh, at where, wherever George plays at. Right. And, um, and they want him to help promote their brand. And they're looking to see, can we bring in more audience? What are the conversion rates? Do we get really good content? Like, that's what they're looking for. 
On the other hand, we are talking about college sports. And when you look at the specific, uh, the, the top three sports, so college football, men's basketball, um, and then women's basketball, if you look at those three sports specifically, there's actually dollars that are behind them that um, that aren't from brands. So there are these collectives that have come up where it's the same boosters that would give money to the athletic department, but now are giving money to the collectives because they can then go sign athletes. And their whole goal is not whether there's a conversion and you know somebody can help sell a product or promote the brand. They're just trying to win games and win titles. And so that money has a very different intention than the brands. So when you look at the NIL money, you also have to look at the athlete, the sport, and then obviously, you know, what, what, what division they're in that obviously factors in as well. Um, so there's a couple different nuances when you look at the money that's in NIL and what the opportunities look like for different student athletes. So like, what about the athlete who's sitting on the bench? You know, how does someone like increase their score? Is this more targeted towards the top athletes, like someone who's guaranteed a, a position, at least eventually into like NFL league, you know, something like that? Yeah. So great question. Uh, obviously, like if you're a Heisman Trophy winner, then, you know, you're going to get all of the deals. You're going to end up in the Heisman house and do all those types of those types of brand sponsorships. So like we'll, we'll set that aside because I think that's that's pretty, pretty obvious. But if you're on the bench, um, actually, one of the top highest paid athletes is Olivia Dunn, who's an LSU gymnast. And she's good. Don't get me wrong. Like she's a good, she's a good athlete. But the reason why she's one of the highest paid is because she's a massive TikTok follower. She has like six, seven million TikTok followers. Not even. It's probably more than that at this point. And then, you know, say about the same on on Instagram. And um, she's a Viore athlete. And like, if you get any, if you look at any of the ads now, she's like front and center of those athletes. And she's just done a really good job building up a social media presence. So. From the brand side, nobody cares if you are, you know, a, a D3 athlete that sits on the bench and you never get game time because that, again, they're looking at, can you sell, help us sell product? And if you've got a big following because you've built it up, great, then you're going to, you're going to do great. Um, now, if you're a, an athlete on, at a D3 school and you're sitting on the bench or a D2 school, D1 school sitting on the bench, um, there are still brands that are looking for more of like a content play. So you can do deals. You're just not going to be making significant money. So most of the NIL deals are like, you know, 25 bucks, 50 bucks, 100 bucks to do a video uh, for TikTok or a post on Twitter or whatever that looks like. So, you know, it's, it's really changing outcomes for, again, those top, whether you're a top athlete because you're a Heisman Trophy type winner or you're, um, you just got a massive following. There are a lot of money coming in, but for the majority of athletes, it's, you know, just some good extra pocket change. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even I would be happy to have like a little extra cash here and there just for going out with your friends, you know, during that time period. Exactly. And a lot of brands give away free product too. So like, you know, even just getting free stuff, imagine like how many, how many events have you ever gone to in your life where it's like, Hey, there's a free food or whatever, like in college or even outside of college, right? Like, you know, that, that, that works, that stuff works. There's opportunities and can definitely get into it because there's ways if you are a student athlete or if you have a student athlete in your family that's interested, there are places where you can find all of these deals because that can seem overwhelming as well. So there's a ton of marketplaces that are out there that are free to use and you can see, you know, what are the opportunities that exist for me based on my social media following and, and all that stuff. 
I agree. I mean, I, we I've seen some um, TikTok videos on Instagram, and you see like you know college athletes being flown on like private jets to go to like islands where they can't even they didn't even know existed. But I think it sort of kind of speaks to what's like, hey, uh, just how the world is sort of moving towards that whole social media age, and it's about okay, what do you bring? to the table before we can engage with you. So that makes sense. Um, so financially speaking, let's look at a bigger overview. Um, so for, for parents who have a son or their daughter looking to go to uh, like a D1 school or D2 school to actually go play college sports, um, how would you say they should start to like prepare themselves? Would you say, you know, go through like some sort of legal training or other resources they can actually look at? to actually help them so when when they get in that position, they know what to do. So every school, whether they like it or not, have pretty much adopted a compliance solution, an NIL compliance solution. And all of those have like resources, um, if that makes sense of like, here's what you can do, here's what you need to do legally. Um, I think the, the biggest just like, and so definitely you can check those out. So if you just Google like NIL compliance there are free resources that you don't have to be subscribed to a school or if you've already committed to a, to a college, you can probably get access to early. Um, so that's one place to, to start. Um, I think the other, and just sort of the biggest one that pops up is like, if you've got a student that's going to be getting brand deals and go on and have a career that's professional, which is very small percentage of all student athletes, right? College is typically the pinnacle of most athletes career. Um, if they make it to that level, um, so if you do have someone, then understanding like the consequences of the legal stuff is really important. Most of this stuff has to be checked by the compliance solutions to make sure that somebody doesn't sign away like 10% of their earnings in perpetuity. And like that type of stuff isn't in there. Um, there are a lot of like, it's still the wild, wild west. So there are, there's a lot of good, good people, but there's also a lot of bad actors that are in the NIL space that are just doing cash grabs. So you have to be careful of that. Um, I think the biggest sort of thing to, to remember is that this is 1099 money, right? So the biggest sort of place that athletes that do make, you know, a decent amount, and I'm talking, you know, not ridiculous, but they're making hundreds, thousands of dollars over the course of, of a year is that this is 1099 money. So make sure that you're actually setting aside like money for taxes because that's not taken out. And that's sort of like the biggest pitfall that we're seeing with student athletes that just are like, hey, like, I made five grand this year, 10 grand. And like, well, you still got to pay taxes. Um, so, so like, don't go spend all of that because it's not being pulled out the same way that if you've ever had a summer job or done anything else where that typically gets pulled out as a, as a W2 employee. So I'd say that's one nuance, but otherwise there's a ton of, there's a ton of resources out there um, and the compliance solutions. And then if you also go to the marketplaces, so I can mention a couple of the marketplaces like mogul, M O G L market price, um, which has a Y P R Y C E market price, um, icon source, um, and icon source started with professional athletes. And then they also have now moved down into college as well. Um, but these are all like marketplaces where you can find deals and get connected with brands. Uh, and there's, there's more popping up. It's like I said, it's still early. So there's a lot of different solutions popping up, but those are some of the big ones to, to look into, uh, two yay, which is owned by barstool sports is another one. Um, and you can start looking at these as well. Uh, and I think the other thing to note, George, and, and then I'll pause because you guys might have some questions, but is uh, certain states at the high school level allow you to also start making money. So as a high school student, you could also be making NIL money depending on your state requirements. So you have to look state by state. 
Um, like Quinn Ewers, who is the quarterback at Texas, like did an NIL deal in high school, but Texas didn't allow that at the time. So he had to graduate early to be able to do the deal. And then he went to Ohio State for a year. And now he's at Texas because that's where he wanted to land up anyway. So anyway, so there's like some nuances around all of this that's still getting sorted out. But your state may actually allow your high school uh, student to also start making money through NIL. Hey, I'm glad you mentioned some of these. What are some of these potential pitfalls or challenges that college athletes may face when they're monetizing their NIL deals? And also, do you have any samples to share with us? So I'd say that the number of student athletes that are actually doing deals is very small, right? So like, let's just be very real about that. Um, I think what's interesting, Anurban, is that like, if you actually look at the number of deals, so if you look at total dollar value, it's mostly going to men um, because of college football and basketball. Those two right there, college football, I think almost gets about half of all the money. And then, you know, so if you remove those two sports and you look at the number of actual athletes that are getting paid, it's mostly women, um, which is really interesting. Now the dollar values are all less. So they're taking home a total dollar value that's smaller. Part of that has to do with social media. A lot of the women tend to be better followers and they can actually sell product. So women tend to actually sell product in a way that that men don't from an influencer perspective. And so pitfalls, which was your, your question on our moms, like what are what are some of the the pitfalls? Is I think understanding some of the dynamics of like where do you actually add, where can you add value to a brand, um, making sure that your values align. Um, and I think some of the biggest opportunities are in the local community. So if you're going to a school and you can work with some of the local spots around town, you're going to have a lot higher success because they are invested in the school. They tend to already, you know, have a lot of college students that are their customers. So I'd say that's a great place to start. Now they're not going to be on a lot of the marketplace platforms. So those are a little bit more like you've got to go out there and, and actually ask, but uh, there's opportunities and a lot of those brands want to support the college and those students. So that's a great place to start. Um, and then I think just understanding the value, cause there's, uh, I forgot which platform it is. One of them allows you to like put in how much you want to get paid for stuff. And like the gap between all the other platforms of what brands are willing to pay and what a student athlete wants, there's a, there's a big gap there, right? Cause like, you know, I'm going to go charge and like totally get that. But, um, I think the biggest thing is that you've got to build that value and that track record. So even if you don't get paid a lot, early on, the goal isn't to do like one deal with one brand and then another deal with another brand, like build relationships with the brands that you're going to work with. So that's the best opportunity. Um, and then if brands already use influencer marketing, because NIL is essentially influencer marketing to, to what you were saying earlier on bond. So like, they're going to understand how to actually work with influencers and work with NIL much quicker than a brand that you may love but has never done it before. Because they don't know the value, they don't know how to optimize for it, they don't know how to compensate, and so it's just a harder gap. So when you look at like what are the biggest pitfalls, it's like understanding your value, understanding where the actual opportunities for you are, um, and then the last is just actually following through. So there's a ton of opportunities, but like I said, not that many student athletes are actually following through. So. This is almost kind of seen as social media marketing. And I've seen from other social media influencers where they've been learning through trial and error of like the contracts they come in with from different brands and something to be aware of. Do you have any 
tips or pointers to share with the audience of like what they need to be aware of when they see that contract? Well, yeah, we don't go deep into the contract, so I can't speak to in, in too much detail. But like I said, these compliance solutions in your school doesn't like they have a responsibility to make sure that the deals are done properly and reported properly to the NCAA and to the conference. So like if you have questions, you can lean on the school itself and go talk to your athletic director, talk to your compliance officer. Like, a, you know, again, every school is different in terms of how many there's some schools that have like 700 people employed under the athletic department and others that have, you know, 20, depending on the size of the school. So figure out who that person is and lean on them. Um, also, like obviously get an attorney. If you're doing large enough deals where that matters, then, then, lean on, you know, go through an attorney. But the other thing is that if you go through a marketplace versus going individually and drumming up your own business, they're reviewing the contracts too, because one, they're responsible for reporting from a compliance perspective. And they don't want to see their, the athletes get taken advantage of as well. So um, there's safety in going to these marketplaces because they have some standardized agreements that they have the brands use. Um, and then, yeah. So I don't know if that, like, again, I don't read into a specific one. So I can't say, hey, look out, watch out for these clauses. But those are that's where I would start because um, there's a lot of resources. Nobody wants to the student athletes to get burned. And as long as you understand who those folks are. And have that vested interest in making sure that you're safe when you're signing these contracts. That's the key. I, I appreciate that. I want to ask from a foresight perspective, like so, with the with the widespread adoption of of NIL, like what sort of long term effects or trends do do MUC happening? I mean, you just spoke of how now on a state level, some states are actually allowed that within a high school who's do and so from from a trends perspective, what do you see the long-term adoption of NIL would look like? Yeah, I would say that one of the things that's really positive about NIL, and this is, doesn't matter whether you're doing a deal or not, but 13 of the states that have passed NIL laws require financial literacy as part of those, which is how we've really gotten involved in the space. So we didn't really talk about that, but like whether you do a deal or not, these states require a certain amount of financial literacy and education. And they're also very specific about who can provide it and who can't. And we don't provide financial services. We're not a bank, which gives us the opportunity to, to, to work with, with student athletes that like, you know, your regular bank credit union can't because that's what a lot of these laws have written into. Them. So that's an example of investment going into student athletes around practical areas of just what adulthood is that we weren't seeing previously. So it's not just financial literacy. Mental health is a huge one. Those are like the top two. It's like mental health financial literacy, um, entrepreneur, entrepreneurialism, and like everything going into starting a business, that's now part of it. People, like some some schools are providing resources around how do you build a social media following and do it in a healthy way. So there's all of this investment that's now going into student athletes that wasn't before um, in all of these areas. So I think that's one of the things that we're starting to see. And my hope is that it not only works with student athletes, but it goes to the broader student population because all of these things are not, you know, athlete specific. But I think that's a big thing that we're seeing with NIL. Um, it's hard to say how all this stuff shakes out because the NCAA doesn't want, I mean, there's states that are literally um, passing laws that go against what the NCAA recommends and like essentially are doing pay for play, but they've got it codified in their law that this is okay. 
And that's against what NCAA does to stay an amateur athlete. And so like, there's going to be more legal work that has to be done. And there's going to be litigation because, and NCAA just keeps asking, hey, Congress, please, you know, write some laws, but they haven't been able to move any of these laws through for the last decade. So I don't know what will actually happen with NIL. I'm, I'm confident that it will change in the way it's being done, but I don't know how. Um, but some of the other trends that I think are investments in student athletes themselves, I think that trend is going to continue because it's the demand that student athletes are asking for, schools are asking for, parents want, coaches want, and I think everyone's aligned at least on that side of, of NIL. I know you mentioned that a lot of college are now looking into, you know, entrepreneurship, but also financial literacy, and that's constantly changing, right? So I want you to kind of explain to us and the listeners how your app works, because that's what you're you're accomplishing here too. And also what are some enhancements? Absolutely. Yeah. So what's what's interesting and one of the things that we never thought we'd have to solve for, but is actually the most important thing for us to solve for when working with schools and student athletes is that a lot of these schools don't control their student athletes' time, especially if you're at a large D1 school. The coach might control the time. Um, you know, they've got their academic calendar. So it's very hard. And we're actually see, unfortunately, a lot of schools that are in states that require financial literacy are not, I can, are not compliant. In fact, most of them aren't compliant. They're not meeting those requirements. Now, there's not anyone enforcing these laws, as we see with the overall NIL laws, because it's just all over the place right now. So that's one thing. Um, but one of the things that we've been having to do is how do we actually help athletic departments capture and work with their student athletes and get their attention to adopt the app as well as like do programming that's required. So how do we actually solve for that? So what we've been doing is doing these logistic things. And one of the things that I'm really proud of that the team's figured out that's been super impactful is like, how do we actually roll out our app? Because emails, students, they, they kind of use email, but that's not their pr- predominant you know, mode of, of, of communication. And then if it comes just from a, in an email, no one's going to adopt it or not a small percentage is going to adopt it. So how do you actually roll things out when there's not a space where you have every single student athlete's time and attention? And so what we figured out is we've got... Um, and I kind of alluded to this earlier on, but we've got, we've been doing events um, in person that are these like trivia nights that are focused on personal finance. And we've got partnerships with like Red Bull and Chipotle, weighted stuffed animal that's like, you know, mental health focused and like all these just things that, that are, that are fun um, that, that, you know, college students want. And we'll go do these, these events. And that's how we onboard people into the app. And so what we're solving for is the adoption side. And then it's about what does the app do and how do we deliver value and, and the actual app itself. But solving for the adoption side has been actually one of the, the biggest things that we've had to figure out. And so that's sort of what it looks like today. It is we tend to do an activation on campus, whether it's an event, a series of events. That's how we get majority of the student athletes in. And then we run challenges, um, and this goes back to our rewards layer, where if you do hit, uh, you know, your, your savings goal, like you'll unlock a reward. And sometimes, depending on the partner, the, the school that we're working with, that could be actual dollars, or it could be, um, you know, things from from our partners. It could be rewards from our partners. And so that's how the app works is that we're focused on getting people in, showing them their financial health score, where they stand today, what's the easiest thing they can do to improve. And then we put them into ongoing challenges that are around um, building credit, saving, investing. And, uh, and yeah, and so that's how the, that's how the app works. And 
one of the unique things that, that I think we do that, that um, schools, athletic departments really like is that we now have data about the impact of financial literacy program that they're doing that they've never had before, that no one else is delivering. And that's where it goes. Because now it's like, we've made this investment in our student athletes. Yes, we were compliant. We provided it. But here's the actual impact. We saw a 50% reduction in the amount of credit card debt that our student athletes have. That's meaningful. And that's something that you can then go use for recruiting, for raising money. You can like, you know, like that is impactful. And that's the thing that student, students care about and parents care about. So that's sort of where we fit in and how we fit in the ecosystem of helping actually get getting student athletes in, capturing their attention, keeping them engaged, having them make meaningful progress, and then reporting that back to the schools so that they can actually see the value of, hey, we spent, you know, for every dollar that we put into Ostrich, we're actually having a 20x impact on our student athletes' finances. And that is an ROI that, that, uh, that, that's impactful. So Nice. Like, so you explained what the app is, but I understand that you were also a college athlete. So what really inspired and could you help listeners understand like what caused that to kind of gamify that too? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm the only grandchild on both sides of the family. So not just an only child, but add that layer of, uh, uh, of responsibility. And, um, and unfortunately, growing up, I had multiple members in my family that filed bankruptcy, parents' relationship partially fell apart due to financial stress and just saw how not getting this one thing right impacts so many other areas of our lives, our relationships, our health, happiness, sense of self-worth, um, and just got frustrated that that, that, <laughs> that we weren't doing a better job. Um, and so, you know, in high school and college, I got really into personal finance personally. Um, so, you know, read all, all the books, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the whole series, all, I mean, there's like, I don't know how many they have now, but there's a crazy number and all the podcasts, resources, tools, and um, and so I was just really focused on it. Um, and then that's when I sort of learned and realized as I was diving in deeper and connected with Andrew, who um, is my co-founder, we met playing soccer. His, he's from the UK originally, so his challenges were a little different of having to establish himself financially in the eyes of the US financial system, which um, is a whole nother challenge if you're coming from, from abroad. And, um, and yeah, and so, you know, we wanted to figure out how do we actually get people to, to, to make progress, right? So we talk about financial literacy, that's the key thing that we need. We need that in high school, we need that in college, we need that in more places. If you actually look at the data and the research, um, financial literacy doesn't actually work. Um, it only changes behavior 0.1%. And so the question is, well, why doesn't it work? Um, and that's where we sort of dug into with Ostrich and it, comes down to a few factors such as it's got to be relevant, it's got to be just in time, it's got to be something that you can actually act on. Um, and then the incentives and the motivation have to be there. And so that's what we sort of built built Ostrich on and, and um, uh, that, that's, that's where the concept came from is like, how do we actually get folks to take action and drive the outcomes that we really want as a society when it comes to personal finance? I like that. And I, I just want, want to add from a UI UX perspective, uh, utilizing your app and seeing your website is just being, it was brilliant. So I think you and you and Andrew did a good job. Thanks George. That's all credit to our, our UI UX designer, Raul. He's awesome. So that is a shout out to, to Raul and, and the rest of the team. So <laughs> I cannot take credit. <laughs> good. Uh, so I think now you spoke of impact. So my, I guess, finally, uh, can you share any more success stories, um, you know, testimonials from users that have used your app or been on your website? And so 
positive financial transformation they have experienced as well? Yeah, there's a, a swimmer that we worked with last semester who um, went through like our our seven day challenge based in Florida. Um, our, our seven day challenge after we you know did some programming in person and then we used the app to to run this this financial checkup challenge. And one of the things was around student loans. And so she went and she had a conversation with her parents about student loans and found out that she had um, student loans that she didn't know about. She didn't know the difference between subsidized, unsubsidized. And she's like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that I'm going to have to pay this back and just didn't understand the amounts. And like that was eye opening. It's like you're a junior in college and don't even don't know, don't understand how much that you have. And she was like, this was like eye opening. And like, I'm totally thinking about my finances in a completely different way. And I think that one to me resonates the most. Cause it's like, we empowered a conversation and helped somebody understand where they are today and a position that, that they didn't know, and then helped empower them to actually figure out how can they get out of debt um, post-graduation. So I think that's one that, that really sticks out. Um, another is a baseball, a baseball player who we, who we worked with, who was, uh, was really focused on buying a car um, and helped them figure out how to get the best interest rate and like save for that and understand like putting money in a high yield savings account is going to help you get there more quickly. And so they were able to, to, to get a car. And the reason why it was really important to them is that um, they were using, they only had one family car and their younger sibling was about to turn 16, 17 and needed a car. And so it was really important to him to be able to buy his own so that he could support um, help the family and reduce that burden on on his parents who had just started a new business. So, like I don't know, there's just some cool stories like that, and and uh, and there's so many just awesome awesome things that are like super small but have such a profound impact that um, I don't know. It's just it's just fun to work with this this age group, to be honest. So, wow, where was ostrich when I was in college? I would have saved a ton of experience and money, you know, with the wisdom. Of, wow, this that is that is brilliant. So I'll say, yeah, I think you know the both of you are doing a good job. I agree. I feel like after you shared those stories, I think it's all always a fascinating and remarkable thing to hear about. So I'm I'm really appreciative of what you and Andrew are doing. Um, it's again going back to the type of guests that we always want to bring on is someone who's doing good for the world is is always helpful and always a nice feeling that there's good people out in the world. Um, wanted to give you a quick shout out. How can people get connected with you? Yeah, so if you're interested in learning more about ostrich, get ostrich.com is our website. Um, if you want to get connected with me, um, you can find me on LinkedIn, William Glass, and then just type in ostrich, William Glass Ostrich, and I'll pop right up. I'll, I'll, I'll send you, I'll give you my email, but if you, you got to give them enough context to make sure that I, that I, that I know where you're coming from, not a, Hey, how's it going? You know? Um, but my email is William at getostrich.com. Um, and I'm happy to chat, you know, whether, whether you're, you you're a college student, you're in college, you're just, you know, you're building something. I'm always happy to talk to other entrepreneurs as well. Like really passionate about other people that are building, whether it's in this space or other spaces. Um, I just think there's, there's a lot of opportunity to support other folks that are trying to change the world. And I really appreciate what, what both of you are doing. Um, I think you provide an awesome platform to help get important messages out there. So I just, I want to thank you both for, for putting on Dapper Dollars. I know it's not an easy thing to, to build a podcast and, and all that stuff. So uh, I just want to, want to thank you both. Appreciate that. And honestly, I think it goes back to 
always being appreciative of our audience and our listeners and anybody who's listening out there. You know, you've all helped us build what we're doing and then always continuing what we're doing as well. So again, if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you leave us a review on where you listen to your podcast. And don't forget to share this episode on social media. Just don't forget to tag us on at dapper.dollars on Instagram and TikTok. Now, if you want more gems like this, make sure you head over to our website, dapperdollars.com. Scroll down to our blog to access our show notes from this podcast. And last but not least, don't forget to look good, feel good, and do good. See you at the next episode. Bye, y'all. Thanks, everyone. Three, two, one.